Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Stephen Green, CEO and co-founder of Nibble Health, a B2B healthcare payments platform that's raised $8.5 million in funding. Stephen, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me, Brett. Happy to be here. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building at Nibble Health, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure. So I am a reformed banker by background. I began my career at Goldman Sachs on a few different teams within their investment banking division, most recently on their healthcare, where I spent a lot of time with large pharma, healthcare services, healthcare IT businesses, really fell in love with the complexity and importance of the healthcare space, but knew I wanted to be an operator. Ended up joining a startup called 30 Madison that was doing chronic care-focused telemedicine before COVID and sort of before telemedicine was so widespread. I joined as the chief of staff to the two co-founders there and did all the things you'd imagine an early stage chief of staff would do from helping to run parts of the business to leading our Series B fundraising process to thinking about how do we communicate and scale most effectively. Got to see the company over, I guess, over the like three years, 10x its valuation, become a unicorn, scale from 30 to several hundred people. And when I left 30 Madison to start Nibble Health, I was running our clinic business. So thinking about how do we build a physical location to help support our broader uh, digital care model. Nice. And could you talk through some of the brands that 30 Madison has? Because I think a lot of people don't know 30 Madison, but they're going to know those you know, more consumer-facing brands. Yeah, so the big there there are a number of different brands that they've launched across skincare, migraine. The biggest one within their business is a company called Keeps, which is the largest D2C men's hair loss brand. Nice. Yeah, I feel like that's the one that I've always heard about. Did it start out as that was the core brand and then they started launching all these others? Or what was the first one they launched? Yeah, Keeps was the first business, but Steve and Dimitri, they're you know incredible founders. They always had an eye for more broadly, how do we impact chronic care and the treatment of chronic care? by using more unconventional tools and things that at the time were really only accessible for a a very select part of the population. And treating chronic care is just much more difficult than treating acute care. You need expert diagnosis, personalized treatment, ongoing support. And they were just incredibly thoughtful about that model. And the idea was, hey, if we can prove this out across the spectrum of conditions from sort of low acuity to high acuity, there's really no limit to, to the things that you can treat online. Got it. That makes sense. And let's talk about that transition then. So going from a banker at Goldman Sachs to chief of staff at a startup, what was that like? Did your friends and coworkers and family think you were insane or what was going through your mind then? You know, I knew I wanted to be an operator. I had an inkling that I wanted to start a business one day. And actually in my interview with with 30 Madison, they asked what I wanted to do. And I very clearly said, you know, I want to stay here for a few years and then go start a, a company. And in the meantime, kind of get to see you know all of the the good and the bad, the ugly of what that looks like, and you know, I think being a banker, especially you know, I started my career in restructuring, ended in healthcare. I was very much used to chaos, chaos, pressure, ambiguous situations, and so I'd say that the the role ended up actually being quite a fit for what I had gone through during the sort of first phase of my career. And did you have to shed the Patagonia vest now that you're no longer a banker, or can you still wear that? Luckily, you know, luckily I never had one. <laughs> um, but, if, but if I had, they definitely wouldn't have let me wear it to work. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So a couple of questions now just to get to, you know, to better understand what makes you tick as a founder and as an operator. So what founder and CEO do you look up to the most and why? And it can't be Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, no worries. You know, I'm a, I'm a big admirer of founders who think and execute with first principles in mind. 
And what I mean by that is, you know, folks who disregard the historical or traditional systems to reimagine how things can and should be done, you know, almost and purposefully with no background in that subject. So like, you know, why, with, with no knowledge about this industry, you tackle a problem and you say, you know, why do we need these middlemen? Why do we need this tech? Why do we need this staff? And it might sound cliche at this point, given how much play they get in the zeitgeist nowadays, but I've really always looked up to Max Levchin, the founding CTO of PayPal and uh, now founder and CEO of a firm. If you haven't read The the Founders, um, it's an incredible book that tells the story of the early days of Confinity, which was Peter Thiel and Max Levchin's business, and then their merger with X.com, which was Elon Musk's part of of PayPal, and the extraordinary account of the founding of of the broader company. And it's a really fun exercise to kind of dig into the the history, just because one, you realize they were really just kids when they were figuring this stuff out. But Max specifically, I mean, the fact that he was able to come to the U.S. in his teens without speaking English from Ukraine, lead and scale a tech org in his 20s, do it his way. And make really cool, broad contributions to modern day tech that most people probably don't even really recognize. You know, if, if you're familiar with you know going through a flow when you're buying something and having to type in distorted letters and tell the computer what those letters are, that's called a captcha. It's a completely automated public Turing test to tell computers and humans apart. Is the acronym which I probably could have been I could have been doing something more productive instead of memorizing a long time ago. But Max and the team basically invented that to beat hackers in Eastern Europe who were creating fake PayPal accounts. And that's now used across the world to tell if you're a human or a bot. So like that kind of creative thinking really gets me to say nothing of the fact that at a firm, he's influenced a lot of the rising tide that's allowed Nibble to you know to exist and uh, generate some real interest. That's tough because I have a love-hate relationship with CAPTCHAs. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's it's definitely not the the smoothest way through, but as a business, I mean, the fact that you can you can really stymie incredibly smart people across the world who are trying to get into your system with something that seems so basic is pretty extraordinary. Totally. Love that. And outside of the founders, what other book would you say has had the greatest impact on you as a founder? And it doesn't have to be a business book. This could be you know a, a personal development book or just any book at all. Yeah, no, it's very hard nowadays, at least I find, to find people who are vulnerable and who describe what they're really going through as a founder. Usually when you talk to people, all they tell you is how great it's going and how well-prepared they are and how much traction they're gaining. Right as we got started with Nibble Health, I read The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And it was just a great account of the brutality involved in running a business, especially a startup. You know, I find in my line of work nowadays, people often ask if I'm having fun. And there are, there are moments and periods of fun, but starting a company is, is really quite trying on every part of you, especially as the CEO. You know, you're know you focused only on things that really aren't going well and things that oftentimes no one else in the business is positioned or prepared to execute on. Mark Andreessen famously said that you only really ever experience two emotions at a startup, euphoria and terror, and, <laughs> lack, and lack of sleep enhances both of them. And so you know, reading, reading the hard thing about hard things was, it was important for me. You know, it, that real truthful chronicling of the trials and tribulations of, of running a company made me feel a bit less alone in my emotions, helped me prepare in some ways for the wars to come, and also just helped me want to seek out people from my own network who were also honest about their struggles and what they were feeling. So that was really great. And do you identify as a wartime CEO or a peacetime CEO? I very much feel like a wartime CEO now. I don't think there's ever a moment in a startup where it feels like peacetime. If I answered the, if I answered that I was more of a peacetime guy, I think I'd be in the wrong line of business. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, especially with uh, everything that's happening today. Yeah, and especially in healthcare and payments. Yep, makes sense. All right, let's talk the origin story of Nibble. So, can you walk us through, you know, how this company began and what you guys do exactly? Yeah, sure. So, about a year and a half ago. My wife woke me up at five in the morning and told me she was having a heart attack. We ended up going to the hospital where we found out that she had a really bad case of bacterial pneumonia. So she ended up being fine. 
And we were in the hospital for two hours. They gave her a chest CT, took basic blood work, and gave her a COVID test. And we got a bill a month later for $8,000, and she has insurance. And it was just one of those moments where the world sort of stares you in the face. And you know, my background was in financial services and digital health. And so Nibble Health kind of found me in that way. But moments like that happen in the U.S. every day at an almost unimaginable scale. There are 100 million Americans in medical debt. 50% of patients, at least 50% are deferring care because of cost. And in our consumer lives, we've gotten very used to paying for things in installments over time. Like You can't go through an e-commerce flow without being asked to use a firm or Afterpay or Klarna to buy couches and Pelotons and clothing. But healthcare financing, so paying for healthcare over time, has not evolved in the same way. It's predatory, it's inflexible, it's undifferentiated. And so our thought was, could we allow people to pay for medical expenses over time in a much more human way with no interest and no fees, so make it completely costless for them? You know, obviously somebody needs to pay. And so who would want to be a part of our ecosystem with an incentive to make healthcare affordable for folks? And so we very quickly focused on employers for that reason. And so in one sentence, what we're doing is it's healthcare, zero-cost healthcare financing as an employee benefit. And so Nibble Health enables leading organizations to provide zero interest, zero fee financing to their workforces. When offered by an employer, employees can use their Nibble Health card to pay for out-of-pocket healthcare expenses in free installments over time, which creates a healthcare safety net that removes financial barriers to care for them. And having a, a healthier, less financially distressed workforce allows companies to lower overall insurance costs while increasing productivity and promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion among their workforces. More broadly, our goal is to empower patients through financial technology. I think healthcare financing will be one of several fintech-related tools that we launch over the next bunch of years to help patients better access and navigate the healthcare system. Got it. And is there a specific market that you're going to be focusing on in terms of you know company size? So is this for SMB, mid-market, enterprise, or is it for everyone? Yeah, you know we're still pre-launch right now, and so we'll be announcing that we're live in private beta this fall. But we've been getting interest from employers who span that spectrum, from small private equity-backed businesses to multi-billion-dollar public companies, from industrial to tech, who see Nibble Health as a solution to problems that are critical to their businesses, whether that's for productivity, employee retention, financial wellness, employee NPS, health plan optimization, just cost improvements. Nibble is a really versatile solution that can be used by every type of employer to solve their specific needs, and can also be used by everyone in a workforce. And so I think we'll, you know, We'll see sort of where it lives most effectively, but the the traction that we're getting we've been getting from the broader ecosystem has been super encouraging. And what's deployment look like and integration look like once a company says yes? You know, how long is that going to take them until they start to be able to actually use this and offer it to their employees? Yeah, I mean it's completely seamless for the employer. So we're really only using the employer for distribution here. At the highest level, the employer takes no credit risk. We're the ones who are on the hook if an employee doesn't pay back whatever money we've we've advanced to them to pay for their healthcare. And so it's not like the employer is becoming a lender has to you know get used to or comfortable with processes that are completely out of the realm of their normal course of business. We also don't integrate with payroll. We work indirectly with folks' bank accounts, and so we're not poking around within their payroll system. And so we and we complement their existing programs like an HSA or their uh, existing health plan selection. So there's really nothing they have to do other than submit an eligible file of the employees who they're covering, and then we'll take it from there. Got it. And then do you need buy-in at all from the hospitals and doctors and healthcare facilities for this? No. So part of part of the business model here is that going directly to the merchants, which is sort of what you're describing, is where most healthcare financing competitors go. Mm-hmm. Um, they sell into healthcare providers like a dermatologist or an ophthalmologist's office, the same way that traditional BNPL sells into Amazon or Walmart. They live at the point of sale, charge the providers a fee, and usually take a percent of the transaction. That requires a tremendous amount of hand-to-hand combat with individual uh, medical providers. Imagine trying to integrate with all of their different electronic health record systems and you know the 10,000 files they have behind their desk. 
And then even after that, you know, you end up having the front office staff of these clinics selling complicated financial products. Our card or our um, our product is a card that runs on Visa Rails. Mm-hmm. And so it can be used anywhere Visa is accepted. And so there's no integrations or dealing with the different medical providers, which is kind of a nightmare. But I'd say that the that is actually quite important for a bit of a less obvious reason. And it's really because the traditional way that you find out about healthcare financing is when you after you've decided to have a procedure. Like you're leaving the dentist's office and as you're you're being asked to pay your one thousand dollar for dental work, you see a flyer for a healthcare financing company that can make it easier to pay so you sign up. And that's how most transactions take place today. It's all happened sort of at that desk. We'll be available at that time. But we're also providing access to an awareness of financing in a completely different part of the healthcare decision-making process before you decide to seek care in the first place and before you need it. And so by getting them a card that runs on Visa Rails and can be used anywhere Visa is accepted, by hitting them before they actually go and decide to seek care, we're really giving them a safety net, a line of credit that lives in their wallet, which they know is there to protect them regardless of upfront cost. That's a pretty powerful tool as it relates to getting folks to seek the right care when they need it. And so that's what we're pretty excited about. Over time, we'll for sure go to those providers. Like once we have a certain critical mass and, you know, in a, in a certain geographic region, we will very happily go to the hospitals within, within those city limits and say, hey, you know, we're, you know, we're either creating a, a network of providers who we think do a really good job or, you know, we're just sending folks away. And so we do want a discount and we'll pass it along to our consumers. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. And what about market category? How are you thinking about market categories? Are you building a new one or is this transforming an existing one? You know, I'd say I'd say yes to all of that. You know, we we sit at the intersection of a few important market categories. We're really kind of smack in the middle of enterprise software, healthcare, fintech, and employee benefits. There is some overlap today within that Venn diagram. Like the idea, if you're familiar with the health savings counter in HSA, it's a, a tool that an employer gives you as a benefit to help you save for care. So there's some... There's some melding of those things that exist right now. It's just that none of them have been able to build something that actually gets people to want to use it. Building a healthcare financing product that people want to want to use is, is really hard. We almost view it as, you know, it's been viewed you know, before this as a, as a pretty impossible task. And so the category exists, but not in a consumer-friendly way. And so I'd say that while we are sort of living within the parameters of things that have products within them, you know, already, I'd say that the way that we're going about it and the product that we're building is different in the context of the current market. So I'd say we are trying to transform the industry. Nice. I love it. And what would you say has been your greatest challenge so far? And how'd you overcome that challenge? You know, the the product itself is really hard. Whenever you go through a, a financial services app, there are about a million different decisions that have been made for you by the engineering product, legal compliance teams there around, you know, how is the loan agreement structured? Is it presented to you in a checkbox and just scroll through? Which, how are things bundled? Are forms downloadable? What does your statement look like? And so the core, like the core business here is really challenging. You know, we talk all the time, we're not selling lemonade. And so that, that's been, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of work that's gone into that. And also just trying, I mentioned before, like getting someone to use a healthcare payments app is, is really hard. And so we've tried to kind of, I mentioned, go back to first principles and say, like, what would make us want to use this? Like, how would this help us as we pay for care? And so that's been that's been hard. I think the other piece here is go to market. You know, it's not a surprise that the employee benefits world is quite crowded. Over the last several years, lots of different point solutions have, evol- have evolved from you know, mental health, fertility, skeletal benefits, financial wellness. And so selling into an employer is challenging. You're trying to to get mindshare in like a really flooded, a really flooded space. I'd say that the way that we've been able to overcome that is we are in a unique position where we can demonstrate very attributable ROI to our program and nothing else. 
Because the way lots of other programs sell into employers, they say, hey, you know, we're going to increase retention by 5.8% and increase productivity by, you know, 10.5%. And that's fine. We'll probably do that. But there are certain benefits that we provide that are very specific to our program and not to others. So, you know, one of the, the benefits that employers love about Nibble Health is that there is a potential for them to pair this with health plan selection to get their employees to shift into more cost-effective health plans, plans that save the employee and the employer a ton of money. And what that really means is shifting from a low deductible to a high deductible plan, which is usually cheaper for, for the parties involved. When that happens, an employer can save up to $6,000 per employee. We're not saying to an employer, hey, we know what's going to happen, but we're saying to them, hey, what do you have to believe for this program to pay itself back? And if you take an employer with 1,000 employees and it's you know they're paying $5 per employee per month for the program, that's 60 grand a year. If they save $6,000 per employee, whenever someone shifts from a low deductible to a high deductible plan, they need to get 10 people to make a different decision than to do that. 10 out of 1,000 is 1%. If we're doing our job well, and we have any semblance of marketing prowess, and you know the product is as is slick as we think it is, mm-hmm. we should be able to do that. And that ROI ends up becoming quite more outsized once you start to add, you know, okay, what if we can get 32 people out of the 1,000 to do this? Then we're talking about you know a four times return on the cost of the program. And so We've been able to really show the math and show math that could be due to really nothing but us coming into the system versus, you know, it being sort of this amorphous pool of, you know, who's actually knowing what's causing what. Nice. I'm guessing math talks, right? That's what does the selling for you. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really does, especially, especially at a time like, like we're in right now, where as we sort of teeter on the verge of a recession, companies are really looking at, at their, at their cost structures. And so I think our business is, is as important now as it's ever been. Makes a lot of sense. What excites you most about the work you get to do every day? There is something that's really exciting about building a really cool product that has the potential to impact people's lives in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. You know, we're building something from scratch that we know is important and that deserves to exist, which is super exciting. And it almost feels like, you know, we're a small group of co-conspirators that are about to unleash our, you know, our thing on the world versus being a cog in a larger business. And that's just it's really empowering. And we spend a lot of time reading through horrible stories of people who's who are dealing with healthcare bills that have ruined their lives. And we're just we're really excited to see this out in the wild. You know, we're we're confident and have really high conviction in the impact that we can have. And there's also just something about being a really stage company, we can just do things. Like we make a decision and then all of a sudden, like within five minutes, we act. Which having worked at larger companies, I know we'll we'll look back on with yearning as uh, as we get bigger. <laughs> totally. And if we zoom out into the future, what's the five year vision for the company? We very much view zero-cost healthcare financing as our V1 product. Our goal over time isn't to be a fintech company that happens to be in healthcare. Our goal is to be a healthcare company that runs on fintech rails. And what I mean by that is, can we not think of fintech as the end state of the business, but rather as the underlying infrastructure upon which we can build a new healthcare operating system that helps patients make better care decisions? Healthcare financing is an important piece of that, and we think that that can be a massive business on its own. But there are so many parts of the healthcare payments value chain that are just completely broken. And so we're really excited for this to be our V1 as part of a larger suite of services that just help patients better access the healthcare system. We want to be a company that comes to mind, not just when people need to pay for care, but when they want to access care in the first place. And if, you know, if we can help direct employees to the right providers, help them finance their bills, and be a real advocate for people in a space where they usually feel quite alone, moments like that don't happen in healthcare today. And so that's what we're working on and super excited about as we think into the future. Nice. I love it. That's super exciting. 
Unfortunately, we're up on time, so we're going to have to wrap for today. This has been an epic conversation and really appreciate you coming on. But before we wrap, if people want to follow along with your journey, where's the best place for them to go? Sure. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Stephen Green, or check us out on nibblehealth.com. Um, if you're an employee who wants to reach out to their employer, who wants us to reach out to their employer about offering Nibble Health or an employer who wants to schedule a demo. Amazing. Thanks again, Stephen, and best of luck in executing on this vision. Thanks, Brett. Keep in touch.